Hello, I'm Brian. And I'm Caroline. I'm Claire. And this is the Computer Weekly Downtime Upload Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. A very warm welcome if you're a first time listener. Uh, so the last time we we did a podcast, we three, uh, was Halloween, around about Halloween. Uh, since then, we've had a, a mild November and Christmas is hoving into view. We're recording this on the 2nd of December, which I think means it's the second day of Advent, if you've mm-hmm. got an Advent calendar. <laughs> Some of our listeners will no doubt have eaten all of their chocolate already. Mine gets um, put in a really high space so that I can't reach it. Oh, that's a very good strategy. Mm-hmm. I don't have one, so. I don't normally get one, but we sometimes we get given really nice advent calendars. Mm. I'm still trying to normalise my mum giving me one every year, and she's sort of given up now. So I've been guilt tripping her for weeks leading up to advent. Like, it would be really nice. Do you remember when you used to get me an advent calendar? Um, I haven't seen it yet, so I might get one this weekend. And then I've got the catch up game to play. We always oh, the catch up days are always good. But if she hasn't got me one. I'm going to be deprived, so I might go and see if there's a half price one somewhere at my local supermarket and cry myself with the uh, comfort myself with my ketchup chocolate there. So you can um, just get like a, a bag of fun sized chocolates and you know just have one a day? Uh, potentially, although this does, I think, potentially is straying back to a discussion we had on the previous podcast around Halloween where I don't know if I told you guys I got. Uh, loads of confectionery and thinking we'd have trick-or-treaters and we had none so I've just eaten it all anyway so I don't think that's a trend I want to make a holiday you know tradition of my own these <laughs> very festivities yeah and no no advent calendar from a from a supplier this year do you know I've been to five in-person events in recent months and not a single piece of swag really I mean not one not well, one what's the point of even going I know. I, I sometimes, <laughs> I sometimes wonder why we bother. Yeah, because it's not about the journalism; it's about the free booze. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what's in it for me, guys? What am I going to get out of this? Mm. Yeah, this this journalism malarkey. Yeah. Um, so one of those one of those events I've just come back from. And that's uh, the SCP User Group Conference in Birmingham, which also has a bit of a Christmas feel to it. Yeah, it's a very down-to-earth event. It's got a kind of office party feel. They have their thing called Sugfest. Sorry, Post- what? Sugfest. <laughs> like, I know, it does, it does sound a bit unpleasant. Is that the after party? It sounds awful. Yeah. Can you spell that for me? It's, it stands for the SAP uh, User Group Fest. Oh, oh the SAP Fest. Oh, okay. I, no, I no, no. Like it is. It is sug. It is sug fest. Oh, sug. Okay. Still so not quite in, what right. I heard, but okay. Yeah. Yes, and then user group, and then fest. Right. I see. Yeah, that's great. It's great. They have all sorts of uh, little things going on, including uh, Claire. You picked up on this dragioki they had this year mm. at the sug fest. Can't go wrong with dragioki. Mm. Yeah, a few kind of drag drag artists kind of persuading shy IT managers onto onto the stage to do a bit of singing. 
Um, I'm, I'm just picturing like um, I don't know if either of you two saw it, but Matt Hancock singing along to Sweet Caroline on I'm a Celebrity. And oh God, that sounds really with awful. <laughs> but him sort of like sort of watching the other people as if he could like if I just say what they say, but a couple of seconds after, so it looked like I know the word. It's that kind of thing. That's what I'm picturing. Yeah, that's karaoke downfall. That. <laughs> No, it was much, much better than that. It was, it was some, there were yeah, some great, yeah. great singers. Um, it was, it was good fun, and there was face painting mm. as well. Face painting, as in like I'm going to be a tiger, or face painting, as in like thing. let us find your drag look. Uh, actually, Claire, now that you mention it, it's probably more towards the latter. They, they were all very bespoke, person by person, a different, okay. different little, uh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't do it though. You didn't want them to paint you up like a famous queen. No, partly because obviously I'm an observer at these things, as we all are. You know, we don't actually belong to the community. We're just anthropologically observing. Yeah, like Louis Theroux, we just wander in. Oh, as journalists. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Well, we've got our own karaoke next week, though. Mm-hmm. For our Christmas party, so I can save myself for that. Uh, I suppose this is Bruno's first Christmas in West London. Uh, yes, it's his first Christmas in West London. We are prepping with. Um, he doesn't like new or novel things in his environment. Obviously, Christmas is the season of novelty, so he's. I think he'll find it particularly trying. So we're gonna. I'm gonna actually. Um, phase in the Christmas tree for him over this weekend. I'm going to get the Christmas tree out and put it, so present it, and he'll be like, well, what is that? Um, and then I'm going to get, like, a deconstructed Christmas tree, and I'm going to get the lights out and, like, put them on somewhere so he gets used to the reflections. Okay. The, he gets a bit spooked by um, different reflections. Um, and then over the course of days, I'll put it all together, a couple of baubles, a bit of tinsel, and then obviously scale it back if he gets freaked out by any bit and uh, try again. Uh, yes, it's fun living with Bruno. So, <laughs> so very gentle, step by step, getting mm-hmm. him used to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what he yeah. needs. Um, yeah. yeah, we've had a few, um, a couple of the houses we walk past on our walks, we've got lights up at the window and like they're twinkling, he just barks at them. So I, I just, I just tell everyone really? he's an, an, yeah, I'm like, he's an anti fun dog. He's like, he's basically saying, take those down, switch that off. Just be Jewish. Yeah, he actually he could be. I need to be a bit more, yeah, maybe a bit more empathetic. But I don't know all of his background, so could be, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm starting to think about, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, could be, could be Italian Jewish community, mm, Bruno. Ah, uh, okay. Well, good luck with all of that. As as Caroline <laughs> speaking, we we can we can see a kind of feeding little trees to Bruno. He's kind of wandering around. Obviously, that's. The listeners won't get to see that, but I'm painting a picture using words. Mm, um, as is our job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, between the last time we did a podcast and this time, our colleague Cliff Saron has done several. He's done four podcasts. He did a flurry. He did like two or three in a week. So productive. Um, do we do we need to do an intervention, Brian? <laughs> because. <laughs> It's it's okay one. that Cliff has a podcast too. It doesn't make our podcast any less. That's very reassuring, Claire. Yeah, I'm feeling. It's okay. 
I'm feeling bolstered now. Uh, so much so that I can say that the most recent podcast, which I did listen to, Bycliffe, um, is great. Uh, it's it's all about inflation busting IT, and Cliff's interviewed um, uh, someone from Gartner's CIO team, Stuart <laughs> Buchanan. It's an excellent conversation. I really recommend this to the listeners, and I think any imputation of jealousy coming there from Claire towards me is not fair. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'd say it's great again. Maybe we'll believe you. Yeah, it's great. It's I great. Love it. oh, it's, oh, it's great. very, it's very good and very useful. Now our listeners will learn a lot from listening to uh, the the podcast that Cliff is doing under our banner. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Put Cliff in his place under our under banner. our banner with our permission. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we do at Computer Weekly, which we really enjoy doing, is our top tens. Mm. Yeah, love it. And I'll be I'll, I'll be doing I'll be doing one of those for the podcast, so it'll be a mix of ours and Cliff's. I was going to say, have we done ten this year? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have. Yes, we have. But we'll do we'll do a mixture, and that one usually uh, drops on Christmas Eve. Mm. Uh, the top ten podcasts of the year is a little treat for the listeners. So that they can listen while they're cooking Christmas dinner. Exactly. Yeah. Listen to our dulcet tones. Okay, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, just say where we're going in today's episode. So, Caroline, you're going to be chatting us through AWS's big event this week. Yep, I've covered it remotely from home. And so I haven't gone to Vegas, so you don't have to either. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> and you've done it super productively. It just goes to show you don't have to no, you drag have your to. ass across the Atlantic. You don't have to have feet on the street, as they always say there. Um, yeah. But we, all, we have had Aaron, our APAC editor there as well. sort of. Oh, is Aaron the there? Yeah, so obviously he's covering it more from the Asia Pacific um, point of view. But yeah, we've been covering sort of the main bits of news from here and he's been there too. So yeah, it's all worked out quite well, I think. Cool. More on that a little bit later. And Claire, uh, you've got a story about getting young women into cybersecurity. Yep. Um, little bit skills meets diversity in the cybersecurity and tech space. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, and me, I've got a tale of two cities. Um, so I went to an SAP event in San Francisco. And as I've just said, I was at an SAP user event in Birmingham. And I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about those two things. I won't say anything more about that just now. Can we start with you, Caroline? Then, uh, yes. Reinvent. Yes, it's. Uh, I think the beginning of the keynote uh, this year's one. Uh, Adam Zalipsky, the CEO of AWS, sort of welcomed everybody and was like. You know, for some of you, this will be your first reinvent. For other of you, it'll be number 11. And I think for me, it's number 10. So I've seen a lot of reinvention over the years, lots of reinvention. Let's uh, get into it. So, yeah, another year, another reinvent. And uh, this was the second one that um, Zalipsky has been in charge of uh, since he took over AWS in 2021. And to be honest, the event itself was pretty much as anyone like me who has sat through 10 reinvents uh, has come to expect by now. It's you know, pretty much an endless stream 
of product announcements, which are pretty difficult to keep up with. Thankfully, we don't write product news at Computer Weekly, so I haven't stressed out too much about that. But it does give you a good indication, I guess, of the direction of travel that AWS are going in terms of um, what they're up to. There's a couple of the things that kind of catch my eye and they, they always have lots of um, sort of infrastructure announcements, serverless announcements, that kind of thing. But there's um, one thing that caught my eye is this kind of they're, they're creating this um, like a WhatsApp like messaging platform for public and uh, public sector organizations and enterprises, okay. which is kind of big, um, a bit more of a comms play for them. They've got their own video conferencing platform as well. But um, yeah, there wasn't masses on that, but it is interesting just to see them slowly build out that side of their business when they have been so infrastructure-y, you know, for so yeah. long. Because obviously the comparison between AWS, Microsoft and Google is always, that oh, you know, they've all got an infrastructure play. Microsoft's got huge sort of productivity software play. And so is Google. And where's Amazon? So it's, yeah, so it's like little, so I'm not, yeah, they're not throwing, it doesn't sound like they're throwing loads at it, but it's still quite interesting to see them try and, quietly build that bit of the business mm. out as well for me so that's quite interesting but the um something else though i have picked up on though um since the solipsky took over is that um this is just an aside but mm. the keynotes feature a lot less trash talk of um amazon's competitors than they used oh. to so namely oracle or more specifically your pal larry ellison um mm. and on the one hand, that kind of makes me a bit sad because they were always really quick and easy stories to write. You know, AWS bashes Oracle. There you go. That's 400 words down. Oh, that's 400 words of the keynote. Boof, here's a story. Oh, they're um, great fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and but it was also when they used to do that, it was also at complete odds with how AWS used to describe how it does business. They'd always like their spokespeople always trot out this line, you know, they're customer obsessed. And, you know, they're not concerned with what their competitors are doing, because as soon as you start focusing on your competitors, you're losing sight of what customers want from your technology. And I'd always be like, but you just stood on stage and like slagged off Larry Ellison and Oracle for minutes. That doesn't really fit with that. So I'm I'm wondering if that is like, oh, if we're going to put that in our sort of manifesto, we really need to stop slagging off Oracle and start slagging off Larry and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was another a little observation from reInvent this year. Less trash talk. Lots yeah. of comments. Yes, uh, I met I met Adam Solipsky a few years ago. When he was when at he Tableau. Was, yeah, when he was CEO of Tableau. Um, he's, he seemed like a pretty nice guy, very thoughtful and smart and stuff. Interestingly, so I guess I've interviewed, I don't know, 40 or 50 CEOs during the course of my, uh, what we can laughingly call my career. And uh, I, especially when I've not had too much time to prepare, I will always ask a CEO, I'll say, well, I don't often get the privilege to talk to a CEO. Tell me what your top two strategic issues are, maybe top three, because if you have more than that, you've clearly got too many. And he's the only CEO that I've spoken to who's really pushed back on that question. And he said, I'm paraphrasing, but effectively he said, that's nonsense, Brian. All great companies have many strategic issues and they uh. deal with lots of different things. So yeah, he's the only one he's ever pushed back on that, on that thing. I mean, the idea is that, you know, if if when you're doing strategy, you you want to focus on a few things and not try to do to do loads of things. So yeah, yeah but I mean I liked him. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. partly because he well, because he did push back on that question yeah no yeah like i say it seems like a bit more of a i wouldn't say it was ever 
the opposite of this but yeah it does seem a bit more of like a mild mannered aws yeah. at these things now and um, with him in charge so that yeah so there's that kind of messaging's gone or at least like i say the messaging now seems to be a bit more consistent you know they are customer obsessed they're not focusing on competitors we you know we're towing that line now but um but there were some other bits of the messaging that came out of this year's reinvent that has caused a few people to raise their eyebrows in terms of how it could be interpreted so um, during um, his keynote, he told Enterprise that despite the amount of economic uncertainty going on in the world, now is not the time for people to start cutting back on their cloud investments. Yeah. So you should be investing more because of the sort of business agility benefits that come from using cloud and all that good stuff. And you know, so far, that's so typical of something a cloud firm or probably any tech firm uh, for that matter would say, you know, they'd always rather you spent more money with them than less. What's useful to note here is that AWS's most recent set of financial results, so it record it's the lowest revenue growth figure since they started recording that stuff. And that's partly been attributed to enterprises looking to cut back their sort of cloud spending and scale back their investments because of you know, cost of living, raising, rising inflation and that kind of thing. So it is a yeah. bit like, well, you know, your results suggest p- customers are slowing down their spending and you're basically saying, don't, please don't, like, that's not good, please. <laughs> Stop what you're doing. I think you can get a feel for why AWS was saying that stuff. On top of that, the keynote also featured a few sort of success stories of firms who they reckon, um, AWS reckons they've saved loads of money by them sort of stepping up their cloud investments. So, and there it's just lots of figures being banded around, really. So there was this company Carrier Global claims to have seen a 40% reduction in the cost of running its sort of um, enterprise resource planning systems in the cloud. Uh, who are, oh, Airbnb, that was probably the big one, actually. Um, they were sort of cited as an example of a company that managed to curb their cloud costs by 27% in response to the dampening demand for their services during the pandemic. And they were sort of like, you know, without cloud, they wouldn't have been able to scale up and scale down their business, you know. Yeah. In the, and so it was like, okay, that's all good. But 27%, how did they do that? That's the thing that people have been sort of pushing back a bit more on. There wasn't really any detail about how could other enterprises emulate what, Airbnb and people like that, you know, how they've done it. You know, that, okay. that's a few people we spoke to, like sort of analysts and uh, people who are in the crowd, seeing a few LinkedIn posts about this as well. People are just like, yeah, all the all these 27% reduction cost, you know, reductions, cost savings are great, but how do you achieve it? That's what we wanted from reInvent. This is what CIOs want to know now is how mm. can we save money by making the most of like, our investments already. So, yeah, so basically the feedback was AWS should have gone into sort of far greater detail about how these savings were achieved and the steps that enterprises can take to sort of reduce their cloud costs during economically trying times as well. So, you know, because that's what, yeah, all enterprises are needing help with at the moment. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so there was this kind of feeling based on what the analysts and partners and customers I've spoken to um, have said that, you know, this this reinvent would have been a great time to do that been a real showcase for it but the sort of opportunity was sort of missed in the mm. sort of let's just let's just put out more product releases let's mm. announce this company has announced aws its preferred cloud partner it's all sort of the same news you always get but it's a bit like where's the detail this is what people want you know so yeah so that was kind of the overriding thing from this year's one there's a few other bits as well about their sustainability stuff which mm. i'm going to go into in a bit more detail in an analysis because there's a few people who are sort of taking issue with They've said they're going to become a water positive company. So they're going to, from their direct operations, they're going to put back more water than they consume through their direct operations. 
And it's like, wow, we're, we're amazing. We're going to be a leading cloud provider for doing this. And you're kind of like, well, Google announced that in 2022, I think. No, or 2021, September 2021. Microsoft announced the same thing a year before. So it's like, you're not really first to this and you're making a big show of it, but you're a couple of years behind your competitors on it. So, yeah, there's a few other things as well. So, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag for this year's reInvent, I think it's safe to say. That's super interesting, though, about the, you know, what you were saying about the kind of lack of clarity and detail that mm. um, was being commented upon regarding kind of customer advice and stuff. <clears throat> and yeah. actually, there is there is quite a lot of detail on that in in Cliff's conversation with the guy from Gartner that I mentioned okay, yeah. at the beginning of the podcast. That's another place for, for listeners to go. Um, cool. Well, thanks. Thanks for that, Caroline. Without too much of a ado, Claire, let's let's talk about getting girls into cybersecurity. Yeah, let's. Okay. Hmm. So I actually had a discussion with our security editor, Alex, about who was going to pick this up. And I jumped at the opportunity because mm. who doesn't want to talk about um, increasing the number of young women joining the technology industry? The story that we're talking about, basically, this sort of not-for-profit industry collaborative called Sinam partnered with lots of different firms and lots of different education providers and then also uh, the government to run this event called Empower Cyber for schoolgirls in year eight. So like how old are you in year eight? 12, 13, something like that, um, to introduce them to people who already work in cyber careers who um, were going to take part in this event and talk about what their career involves, get them doing some activities to get them, you know, like a little bit more interested in what a cyber career might involve. Um, yeah, and this was taking part across the UK. I think about 1,300 girls took part across 35 schools mm. um, in different secret locations across the UK. Yeah, secret locations. Yeah, I think that Sounds makes it fun. a bit more fun, though, no? Ah, definitely, definitely. Um, and also, uh, I might have got this wrong, Claire, but I think I picked up that it was the southwest of England and the northeast of England were the areas where the, the schoolgirls were coming from. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. So kind of relatively impoverished, therefore, areas um, I think... of the country. Yeah, a part of the idea of it was that because they had lots of different companies sponsor different aspects of the event, yeah. they could get schools and students who might not necessarily have been able to take part in this kind of thing to send their girls mm. along to learn stuff. Yeah, so people from maybe less fortunate socioeconomic backgrounds or, you know, um, schools that have fewer opportunities like that to be able to send students to yeah. events which is just you know like it's just part of increasing diversity and um tech skills in the community isn't it is targeting people who might not otherwise have thought of that kind yeah. of career or that opportunity <clears throat> especially when you think that um the, there's often misconceptions about the type of people that go into technology. I know that, you know, if you think of it, white, middle-aged 
middle class men mostly. So, you know, when you've got um, that opportunity being given to people who might not necessarily have had that opportunity before, um, you know, that that's obviously a good thing. I mean, that could be life changing for somebody. Yeah, it definitely could. It really could. Absolutely. And it does sound fun. Games, programming drones. Uh, yeah, escape room type things. Es- oh, escape flag. rooms. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 I remember going to a similar one of these kind of career days and uh, in one of the workshops, like this was a this was a different thing. I think it was CA Technologies at the time, which I don't even know if that company exists anymore. But one of the workshops was getting students to make toothpaste. So I think it was, uh, yeah, it might have been um, Colgate. I might be wrong, but they had all of the different ingredients and they got them to sort of like mix this paste. And the amount of engagement that you get from kids when you actually give them something practical to do that kind of explains the skills that you need for that job without making it sound really dull. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So it's that kind of thing. It's, you know, having those practical workshops with games and um, you know, people from different organisations creating these workshops based on the skill sets that they use in their oh, career. That's brilliant. Yeah. Making, making toothpaste. Not for this one, but I don't no, know how toothpaste I mean, and cybersecurity yeah. would relate to each other. But yeah, I mean, that kind of thing. I would not know where to start if you said, Brian, you have to make some toothpaste. I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? You know, kids just don't know where to start with these types of jobs and careers if you go you know like oh what do you do in a cyber security job yeah you go i don't don't know wear a hoodie sit at a computer in the dark what was the name of that show yeah mr robot was it yeah so yeah So there's going to be a, a bit of an education and training component to what I'm going to talk about um, mm. in terms of SAP. As I said, it's a tale of two cities, uh, although strictly speaking, it's not just San Francisco and Birmingham because there's a bit of there's a bit of Vegas in here as well and a little bit of San Ramon, which is a, a small town in, um, in Silicon Valley. So my story's already it's already falling apart, this construct. But anyway, I shall press on regardless. So these two events, the first was... Uh, it was a press event which was parallel to TechEd in Vegas. TechEd is SAP's kind of developer conference um, uh, in Las Vegas. And then the other one is, uh, as I said earlier on as well, the UK and Ireland SAP Users Conference in, in Birmingham. Um, so the first event, uh, 14th to 15th of November, so it was, uh, it was international press, a tour of international uh, international press tour, uh, which is to say not US and not Germany. So they were catered for separately. So we were we were basically the rest of the world. Um, yeah, just like one or two journalists from each from each country. Um, and it, it part of the part of the tour that we did uh, was parallel, as I said, to TechEd, and it was a kind of a joint analyst pre TechEd conference and then our event in San Francisco. Our event was presided over by uh, Scott Russell who's on the SAP uh, board, the big board 
um, Australian guy, he used to run the uh, Asia Pack business for SAP um, and is in basically kind of in charge of customer success for SAP. Um, I did a one-to-one -one interview with Scott, which will be written up in the fullness of time, Scott, if you're listening to this. Um, and then the analyst event over in Vegas was presided over by Julia White, who is the chief marketing officer of S SAP. She came from Microsoft. She's got a strong cloud background. Uh, she's brilliant, actually. She's just joined the last few years. And yeah, she's an incredible communicator for, for SAP. Now, the background to what they were announcing is uh, they've, they've had this thing called the Business Technology Platform. Uh, they've been talking about it for a couple of years now. It's, it's basically, well, it isn't basically anything, but it's a development environment. Um, so people can, you know, develop uh, stuff on SAP technology. And they have been talking about it almost as much as they talk about S4HANA, which is their big ERP system, and Rise with SAP, which is a, a service that they're supplying, supposedly a business transformation as a service service and uh, they launched that about a year and a half ago so it's been it's been one of the big things that, that they've been talking about but at TechEd they launched a kind of subset of the business technology platform bear with me um, called SAP Build uh, which has been described to me as a kind of like a cockpit type thing and it's it's, it's low code no code it's one. It's their big low code, no code uh, initiative. Um, but the core, the core idea here, and this is um, what what Julia White said. And it's kind of worth going through this quote. She said at this this event, every company is now a technology company. There is not a single industry or discipline that does not have technology at its core. That means we can't just rely on a finite resource of professional developers, we need to find a new approach. Transformation is not just about moving an existing system to the cloud. IT is necessary but not sufficient to unlock business transformation. And then this is a key thing really. The first wave of digital transformation was driven by technology experts, but the next wave needs to be empowered by the people who create business value, who know the problems to be solved, and these are the business experts, the business users. In other words, SAP Build is a no-code, low-code environment that they imagine being used by people in finance or HR or sales or marketing to develop little apps that maybe will automate a specific business process and things like that. Um, and it goes hand in hand with inseparable from a really big education and training push that SAP is doing. So another aspect of this trip that I went on was I visited their uh, facility in San Ramon where they are training software engineers. It's a beautiful environment actually, very, very nice, very nice facility. There wasn't a single engineer in the site to talk to, but we saw the facility where they are trained. Um, and there I interviewed uh, SAP's Chief Learning Officer, Max Vessel, uh, who kind of talked to me about all their kind of education programs and stuff. And again, I'll write that up. I'll write that up in due course. Um, 
they've got very big ambitions for um you know education and training and things like that so they're aiming to upskill 2 million SAP developers by 2025 which is big is a really big number of people um but i have to say all of this reminds me of what you know salesforce does with its development platform and also it's um in terms of the education side of it it's trailhead uh education program which a lot of people say is really really good actually the trailhead thing um and it's a bit like stuff that microsoft does as well but i'm not so familiar with that so sap build quite a lot of fanfare uh julia white saying the next phase of business transformation digital transformation will be driven by actual business users and we're giving them the tools to do that etc cetera, etc cetera. fast forward two weeks to birmingham uh the the user conference which is very down to earth people who do make things like toothpaste and biscuits and valves for pumps and and also a lot of government people's a lot of kind of public sector uh of that so paul cooper who's the chair of the user group he said on stage in his keynote if you went to sapphire and other events you will have heard sap have talked a lot about its business technology platform over the last 12 months. My understanding is that it's a platform that should help us get more out of our data, build integrations, and at TechEd, he said, near the event I was like, got an aperture into. A couple of weeks ago, there were announcements about its new low code capability, but it's still new to me and I'm sure to many of you. I just thought that was quite a good example of um, like a supplier or vendor being ahead of the customers, you know, being a bit of a disconnect. And SAP has form. It always, always happens at the user group conference uh, in November in Birmingham. That whatever the new thing that SAP has announced at Sapphire, you know, it might be uh, Leonardo, which was their machine learning platform, which we never hear anything about now. Leonardo, named after Leonardo DiCaprio, um, or their C for HANA, that was named after Leonardo da Vinci, their C for HANA customer experience thing, which was great fanfare a few years back. By the time you get to Birmingham in November, uh, people are like, well, what, what is this? I've not really heard of this. And the, the survey always always kind of proves that. So S SAP does have, does have form in this. Um, but anyway, I mean, I'm not, uh, and I'll, I did a one, uh, a one, well, a one to two really with Paul and with Connor Reardon, who's the the vice chair of the user group, and also with uh, uh, Mikael Verhoeven, who's the managing director for SAP in the UK, and discussed all these matters. And that will, again, that will come out into, into some stories um, in the near future. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not dissing SAP for, being significantly in advance of his customers or they're being a disconnect. And I'm not dissing the customers and users for, you know, not having heard of the latest, greatest thing. Uh, but I just thought it was quite an amusing, quite an amusing disconnect. But yeah. what about both of you? Because you, you must have the same sort of thing in your markets. Well, I was going to say something that came across then is just something talking to people from reInvent this week. Like I said, there's so many product announcements like AWS spends like the whole week 
basically just it's just a barrage of product announcements and then their metric is like oh this is like usually this is a certain percentage year on year more product announcements than we did the previous year you know just really hamming up the pace of innovation at aws and when you talk to customers you're like, they've announced all this stuff and they're just like to be honest it's always the same every year it's just like i kind of just pay attention to the stuff that is directly gonna possibly end up on my to-do list so i might have to use i'm not going to sit there and study this great bible of new products or anything because a lot of it won't be relevant to me so i think people sort of cherry pick the stuff that's interesting or is like they're likely to have like direct ownership of or direct use of but everything else is just noise and it's just like that's just gonna it's not gonna help me get my, do- my job done so i'll just focus on the bit of technology yeah. that i'll actually be using and you're like oh okay well they, they're like making a big you know they're trumpeting all this stuff and you're just like yeah this little this little bit will be my bit he's like oh okay it's interesting yeah i always find these disconnects quite amusing but mm. i suppose like the only the only bit of enterprise software that we use in our jobs is our content management system, which comes from OpenText. Uh, now, I mean, OpenText is a $2 billion company and it does all sorts of stuff, but it does this content management system that we use. But it's not like we spend our days thinking, oh, I wonder how OpenText is getting on in supply chain management and what it's up to in that space or whatever. Because we're, we're just trying to kind of get to grips with this um, wonderful content management system we enjoy using so much um yeah no it's yeah it's, i guess just the reality of people's day-to-day jobs as opposed to what oh, sap in this case is and our aws is pushing as their 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 big vision but um mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah we shall we shall see how this how all this stuff starts to land and maybe they won't be talking about SAP build in a year's time just like they no longer talk about Leonardo um they don't do that anymore no I think yeah poor poor DiCaprio yeah on the scrap heap Uh Um, happens to a lot of people in Hollywood at a certain age so yeah that's true that's true well look um I mean you can read all the stories that we've been talking about in this episode via the the article that goes with the podcast and listen to the podcast itself on computerweekly.com uh, and the various platforms that we're on apple google amazon music um leave us nice reviews if you so wish uh sadly i think that's all we've got time for this time around uh but we'll be back we're we'll back in 2023 uh and in the meantime seems a bit premature to be saying Merry Christmas, but... Well, we're in, we're in December, so, you know. It just, oh, Merry yeah. Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, I say start it now. And then I'm always the person who holds out right into the new year when everyone stops saying Happy New Year. I'm still still trotting it out as my opening line on my emails well into January. Well Gosh. into when... Yeah, well into when we've all realised, actually, it's just another year. It's not a happy one. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> what a note to end on. <laughs> Yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, woohoo, it's all the same. Nothing will get better. Okay, cool. Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, well, it just remains for me to to then say, on behalf of myself and of the listeners, thank you very much to Caroline. You're welcome. And thank you so much to Claire. Anytime.
and thank you to you listener f- for listening to us so till next time bye-bye. bye bye